1: As you can probably tell from uh, these less-than-Dorset tones, I'm not a girl, and I'm not in Ipanema either. I'm Clive Petty. Hello, and welcome to the Game Podcast from The Times. This is the third of six special shows during this year's World Cup from Brazil. I'm in a muggy, rather Manaus-like uh, London, but down the line in Spain is James Scowcroft, and all the way from Brazil is Gabriel Marcotti. Gab, what can you see from where you are at the moment, and how are you finding uh, life in Brazil?
0: Well, Alison, it's <laughs> been uh, it, it's it's been great so far. I'm in Gaveat, which is a, a residential neighborhood just behind uh, uh, Leblon, about ten minutes away from the beach. We opted to go for uh, to, to go local. Uh, we, we rented uh, we rented an apartment, nice roof terrace. I've got wonderful views. I can see the. Uh, the Sugar Loaf, the Corcovado, the Piedra de Gavea from here. So life is good. I, obviously, you don't get to enjoy it quite as much because uh, you're spending a lot of time working. But I have to say, this is my fifth World Cup uh, professionally and my seventh or eighth as a fan. And um, in uh, terms of entertainment, it. right. it's far and away the best one um, I've ever covered. In terms of enjoyment, I tended to like the ones where Italy ended up winning it for.
1: Let's start with a rather depressing day, the day it all kind of came to an end for England in the match against Uruguay. Everybody got rather excited after the, uh, by the performance against Italy, if obviously not the result. Gab, what are your thoughts on uh, what went wrong against Uruguay? Uh,
0: you know, When, when you play uh, that kind of formation with the front four, with Gerard and, and Henderson you know, protecting the back four, you're obviously going to suffer, I think, in, in midfield. And it's great to say, oh, but Welbeck and Sterling and they all work hard and they come back and help out. But you, you don't have, the I think, you know, the same level of, of structure. And I think you became vulnerable to people putting pressure on, on Gerard and Gerard eventually making mistakes, uh, as he did. But then you also have Luis Suarez, who uh, on you know, the day raised his game to, um, to, to, I think, to an incredible level. And, and when that happens, you know, when the other team's superstar shows up, uh, even on a flawed team, it can paper over a lot of cracks and, and undo a lot of the good that, that your team is doing. And, you know, we've seen that happen in, in this tournament, certainly with Holland and with one or two other teams.
1: I mean, Hodgson is kind of defensive over the sort of criticism of his two in midfield, as you just mentioned. They just, you, you think he got that wrong and that they were overrun in midfield and it was a mistake just to have... What was basically uh, even against Italy an untried kind of midfield partnership of, of Henderson and Gerard before this tournament?
0: You know, every time you do something tactically, every time you introduce something new, you know, you, the, you always have to do some, some sort of cost-benefit analysis, and, and you look at that Uruguayan back four, and you know, you look at the fact that apart from Martin Cáceres, none of those guys can can stay with you for pace, and you figure, well, let's take the game to them, let's let's play to our strengths, right? That's kind of been Hodgson's mantra, and and he stuck to it. Uh, would he have been better off tweaking it by inserting a Wilshire or whatever into the, into the mix? Uh, you know, again with hindsight, you can say yes, but if you do that, then you know you turn it into more of um, perhaps a, a war of attritioner and you know, and that's a situation where Uruguay are often very very comfortable when when the game comes down to mental toughness, for example. You know, I can only blame him so much. I think for what he did. I think ultimately. You have in certain key positions, you have some very, very ordinary players. You know, I thought that Gary Cahill's a bad player, but he's a player who, who's played a lot this season and obviously, you know, showed signs of fatigue. It's not that Chigielka's a bad, bad player, but, you know, he's not popping more. And, you know, Leighton Baines, I think, showed a lot of limits, I had a poor World Cup. Glen Johnson, I thought, actually did reasonably well, but the reality is he's probably, you know, not even the, the best right back named Johnson. In this tournament, so you put those things together, you throw in a bit of Joe Hart, and you know you, in the end, you, you paid a price for it. Uh,
1: it's interesting you bring up the kind of subject of mental toughness there, and the sort of game planning and game management that England just seemed to to lack when they go into these kind of tournaments. And and something that that kind of bugged me while watching that game was, uh, some people take this the wrong way, but. Um, there, as you mentioned him, Luis Suarez. There we had Luis Suarez, who you know only a month ago was hobbling around on crutches, had just come off the surgeon's table. Was obviously a bit, should have been a bit worried about you know whether he was going to get through this game. he didn't know whether he was going to start. Certainly wasn't odds-on to finish the game as he did. And yet England gave him so much sort of time and respect off the ball. There was nobody there who. Um, to want, for want of a better phrase, put a foot in. Let him know that they were there, and let him think about his performance and uh, and, and his injury for a while. And, and Rooney kind of brought this up in his pres- um, post match press conference, sort of saying that England lack that brittle devilment, if you like. Do, do you think that's true, James? Um, as a as a former player, do you think you, do you see that kind of lacking in this England team?
2: I think it's you know belief. I think there's you know we, we go into every tournament lacking that belief. I think. You know, supporters lack belief. The media lack belief, and probably players lack belief. Really, because it's it's so many years. where you know, have only really had one success really. So, every tournament we go into, there's probably not the arrogance that you sometimes need on a football pitch that other teams have. It like you say, Uruguay with, with Luis Suarez seemed to have that arrogance the other day that. It was his evening and, and his night, and, and nobody was going to spoil it. You know, PLO's another one, really, that was just sort of in the, the Italian game, just ice cold on the ball, just showed so much arrogance. And I think we do suffer from it, really. You know, how you can break that cycle, I don't, I don't know, really. I just think it's a vicious cycle that England have got themselves into, where every tournament we go into... Because if, if you look at the qualifying campaign, England qualifying are as good as anybody. You know, we're almost immaculate. In our qualifying game, but as soon as we come into tournament football, there is that that sort of lack of belief, really, that fear, really, which obviously, as a player, you know, you go onto that circuit where you are being analysed by the whole world. You know, it's, it's very difficult to uh, to handle.
1: I'm at loss of wonder why that is. I mean, you know, these are guys who are, you know, they're successful with their clubs. You know, they they, they do kind of win things. You know, they play in the the Champions League. Um, you know, the United boys have had success there, Chelsea. What, why is it that once they pull on the England shirt, that that all seems to drain out of them? Mm.
2: But you, see, you see that now, you talk about Champions League, you know, the, the Baines hasn't really had Champions League experience, Jack Elka hasn't, Cahill a little no, bit. That's... You know, I've just spent the afternoon with Amanda Vidic, interviewing him, and we're talking about what, what it's like to play for a club like Manchester United, and he said, you have to be technically good enough, but you have to handle the pressure as well, and they go hand in hand, and they are literally 50-50. So I've seen so many players who are technically good, but when you get onto the big stage, the Champions League stages, and you're playing against world-class players, you have to handle that that stress, that that expectation that goes with it, really. And I think now, because a lot of you know England players are finding it hard to get into the Champions League teams, that's only going to get worse and worse when you come into the stage like the World Cup.
1: And to that end, then uh, Gab, do you think there's a kind of lack of? Leadership—I hate to use the phrase "kind of bulldozed," but we you know what I mean. Everyone would be most the fact that without bringing, <laughs> without bringing John Terry back, but there is no, there's nobody with that side of John Terry's spirit, if you like. Um, well,
0: look, I mean, there, there, there's two things. You know, we, we cannot have it both ways. Hmm. Um, this was a really inexperienced England team in the sense that you had uh, you had Hart Johnson, uh, and, um, and then obviously Jared and Rooney, all of whom have. You know, a decent amount of England uh, experience, all of them, I think, have 50 caps. And then the next highest cap player was Gary Cahill, who's got like 25. So you can't, on the one hand, say, oh, we want youth and freshness and go at them. You know, you do that, then you're going to lose an experience. You know, last time around, you had all the experience. And you didn't like that either, and, and you didn't, you know, and, and so... Yeah, well, I so, say so we didn't I say like, we didn't
1: like it, they just didn't, it just didn't perform, did they? I mean, it didn't know.
0: work, and then you said, we need to change, and now you change, you lose the experience. You cannot have it both ways. And I, I feel like we often keep talking about the same things. I mean, one question I would love to ask, and uh, admittedly, you know, I'm, I'm here, I didn't see the England games except on television, but one thing that really struck me was at the end of the England-Italy game, you had two, three, four England players go down with cramps, okay? Now, this is after we've been spoon-fed. Oh, the University of Loughborough and sports science, and they did this and they did that, and they're so clever and they're so well-prepared. Now, I didn't see any of the Italy players go down with cramps, and yet they face the same climate. They obviously prepare differently, must have. And yet the fingers, again, get pointed at the players, at Hodgson. You know, I'd love to see somebody who knows what they're talking about when it comes to sports science who can answer the question, why were these people cramping up when you know their opponents, who come from a comparable climate and had the same opportunity to prepare, did not?
2: I'll answer that question. That is down to nervous energy. That, that's as simple as that. You, a big game like that, you would burn up so much nervous energy going into a day, two days before, and especially the two or three hours before that game, you were going to burn up so much natu- uh, nervous energy. And when you actually go into a game, half your energy stores have been depleted by just thinking about it and analyzing the game over and over and over. That is where
0: that cramp will come from. So why weren't they prepared for that? And, and why didn't the opposition face the same problem? And then why didn't they realize that if we play these people, they're going to Cramp up and they 're going to burn this nervous energy, it just seems to me you know we can criticize Hodgson for his tactics. We criticize the players Rooney got crucified after the first game, but it just seems like these people because they wear a lab coat and they walk around with laptops and they 've got you know university degrees they those people escape scot uh, free
2: well i don 't know if it, Mike Efferton actually wrote a really good piece in The Times a few weeks ago about being cricket becoming too professionalised now. It's almost, and when you come off from a bad score, you you'd so many things, you've got to analyse this data and analyse that data, that actually it has a reverse effect where you, you just can't go in, where you're relaxed and you're thinking... I'm just going to go and enjoy myself here and I'm just going to go and play like I've always has done as a young child. It's that, you know, you look at the pressure Wayne Rooney had on his shoulders going into this World Cup. Was, I think he's done really well to perform to a level that he actually has done. In, in other countries are the same. Neymar's the same for Brazil. Messi is, you know, with all the social media and the coverage that, that it gets. You know, the, the pressure that these guys are on. But also comes from within now with the sports scientists. We've got a sports psychologist as well here now. It just... Players just need to go and relax. You know, when you go out on that football field, five minutes before kick-off, you need to be fully relaxed. And if you're not fully relaxed, that's that's what will happen. You will get cramp in the second half. You will start breaking down. You will make mistakes.
1: I'm Clive Petty, and you're listening to the Game World Cup podcast from The Times moving away from england apart from the obvious favorites any any outsiders uh, you see coming through to possibly challenge to end up as world champions uh, after the first uh, phase of matches
0: out of the big nations when you look at you know who's played consistently well in this uh, in 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 this tournament i'd say only really france uh, costa rica and and maybe chile have generally consistently do- done well could you say that one of those teams could be, could be an outsider. Could be a surprise. I think Chile um, I think are going to just
1: get exhausted on, I mean, and they can't possibly keep up that of playing for a tournament. They? <laughs> They're remarkable, those guys.
0: That's the big question mark. You know, can you keep doing that? I, I, I don't know that. You're right. I mean, logic would suggest that they can't. But remember, Chile have also had an unfit Arturo Vidal until now, and I think when he comes back in, you know, maybe they can. Maybe he can carry them a little bit. So that they don't need to, you know, run themselves into the ground uh, like maniacs. You know, you can blast holes in any one of these teams. Um, uh, certainly, Costa Rica, while they've been exceptional thus far, there just isn't that. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about
2: work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com.
0: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods,
2: PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
0: Much quality in the team. And, you know, even against Italy, if Palotelli puts a chance away in the first half... You know, I don't think that we necessarily talk about them in in, in the same way. France are a bit different. The great thing, I, I watched them against Switzerland, and that was a game where Switzerland really played into their hands because they had the, you know, they had the early two goal lead, and then Switzerland went for it, and you know, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. France could have easily scored ten goals in that game. Uh, so they show that they can be devastating on the counterattack. uh They show that they can be. You know, devastating against uh, a more physical opponent as they were in the first game against Honduras. They've got so much talent in certain areas. I mean, dropping Pogba for the second game, I thought was incredible. And then when he came on, you know, he he had maybe the assist of the tournament. Um, so, I I think France are one of those teams that are on form and their big stars are are on form and Benzema's happy and it seems like everything he touches turns to gold except for the penalty he took, of course. Yeah, I, I think France have to be in the conversation at this stage. But we also have to remember that, you know, there are other traditional powers who can get stronger as the tournament continues. James, uh,
1: moving perhaps outside of Europe, looking at the other continents, I mean, there are other teams from uh, around the world who, uh, who say, are flying the flag for their, for their um, prospective confederations. I mean, thinking like we usually look for an African country to come through and, and impress everybody, I mean... I saw just to throw this at you i don't know if you saw the Algeria game yesterday, but that was like that was like a completely different team that turned up for the first match against Belgium, admittedly they may have you know obviously changed their tactics but uh, have they as anybody from that continent and the South Af- uh, South America and maybe and CONCACAF. Who uh, you know, as we talk about Costa Rica. But um, what are, what are your thoughts on those?
2: You know, if you look at the the bigger picture, I think world football is, is getting smaller. Um, the gap is getting smaller between the the top sort of five or six. Like your Argentinas, your Brazils, your your Italy's, your Spains, to your Costa Ricas, etc. I don't think there's the mismatch that there once was. You know, and, and you know, results prove that and it's not just the odd results, it's not just Costa Rica there, there's been a few teams that have uh, surprised. Um, I think with the, the African teams, they haven't quite made the breakthrough yet, you know, I thought maybe 10 years ago with the quality of players um, you look at Ivory Coast with the quality they have, you thought you know, this this could be sooner or later one of their tournaments where they could come through and, and maybe go a long, long way
1: They keep getting terrible group draws though don't they? I mean, I'm trying to remember who's in there now, but certainly... On the last couple of, they've they always had some like Netherlands know, or Germany. Costa Rica got a terrible
2: group draw. <laughs> <Absolutely. laughs> yes, yeah, well, doesn't look so bad come now. Through, yeah. Come through at ease. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I think when you get to the World Cup, you can't really sort of, you know, say oh, we've got a good group, we haven't got a good year there. You know, you're, you're playing at the elite of of football. You know, you have to deal with it, and you well, maybe need a little bit of luck. I just think, I, I still think it's very hard to to look past a Brazil or an Argentina. I know, you know, a couple of both teams have been a bit sluggish so far, but I think. As it gets into the knockout stages, I think we'll find, um, you know, certainly in the semi-finals, it'll be what we thought it would be. Well, it would
1: be a shame uh, while we've got you, Gab, to not actually get your thoughts on uh, how you think Italy will actually uh, do in this um, tournament, assuming they um, pass their test in the final group game. Uh, how do you think? How do you think things have gone? How are they shaping up? And what, what do you what do you hope for from from Italy?
0: Well, I, first of all, I, I hope that we never see from Italy again what we saw in the second half from uh, from Prendelli. You know, we, we all bought into this idea that, you know, it's going to be tick Italia and we'll just outplay the opposition with passing and create chances that way, and it'll be a collective thing. And then, you know, against Costa Rica in the second half, he has this brilliant brainwave of saying, oh, I know. Um, I'm going to give up on the passing game and send on all these guys who can come up with, supposedly come up with, individual moments of magic and win the game single-handedly and you know chucking on Casano and, and Insigne and Cherchi guys like that that's not what I want to see ever again uh, about Prandelli because that's not what we're about anymore we're defensively we're probably not good enough uh, to be about that if they've learned the lesson um, then I think they can beat uh, Uruguay on Tuesday and you know once they're out there uh, you know, you can. You know, I, I think they're in. They're in with a shout.
1: To that point, one of the, the the things of this World Cup so far, as well uh, as opposed to previous ones, is uh, the big names seem to have uh, managed to perform. As you say, sort of, you look for the world, your world class players to get you out of a hole when you can. And as we say, so far, Müller stepped up for Germany, Van Persie, uh, and of course, Luis Suarez. But we are in danger of, of losing one, and that is Ronaldo. I mean. What what are your thoughts on, on that and the prospect of um, a sort of Germany-USA carve-up?
0: Cristiano's clearly not fit. Mm. I think it's pretty obvious. And, uh, you know, he obviously has to go and pace himself and, you know, decide when to shoot, when to pass. He made the right decision late in the game Fantastic last night. Fantastic cross, that. Um, yeah. But I, I, I'd i be very surprised if we if he's still with us come the, uh, come the knockout stage. As for a Germany, US carve up. I-, I don't know. I-, I don't expect that they're going to go in, you know, having planned it. I think they're going to go and they're going to play. They're all the game. German.
1: Come on, Yeah, you know, they've got two German managers and half the USA team are they've German. They've got
0: two German managers. One <laughs> was the other guy's assistant. <laughs> yeah, all exactly. Half the half the US team have German passports. Yeah, I-, I don't think teams generally go into it thinking that way. Not. We not love a
1: conspiracy. Come on.
0: <laughs> no, no, but well, look. I mean, I remember Euro 2004 in Denmark, Sweden 2-2, and. The yeah. you know, the, it was the uh, the lowest uh, odds ever on a two-two draw in the history <laughs> of, uh, of William Hill. But I, I do think what happens is when there's 20 minutes to go, if the game is tied, that's when fear sets in and that's when people end up settling. If the U.S. or Germany take a two-goal lead early in the game, I don't think they're going to go and you know let the other team get back into, get into it. it. Right. But if it is deadlocked, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up turning out that way on
1: the pitch. I'm Clive Petty, and you're listening to the Game World Cup podcast from The Times. OK, we can't keep them out of it. It's a, it's a dead rubber. But let's look at uh, England's, hopefully, fond farewell from this tournament against Costa Rica. James, what do you think England can learn from some of the, uh, I presume, lesser teams from, uh, in this tournament? Yeah, from, from, their, from their brief time. In Brazil, is there anything they can they should be taking back and building on post tournament?
2: I think certainly when they go into the next tournament, which will be uh, France 2016, I think they just you know, it's this fear factor of Costa Rica coming into the tournament with a fear factor. No, they haven't because nobody expected anything. Of them, really. And, and of course, you know, there's the spotlight on England is always going to be far, far greater on Costa Rica. I just think maybe coming into tournaments, uh, I can remember the Euro 96 and the players got absolutely vilified for going out in Hong Kong and a dentist chair and this, that and the other. But, you know, if you actually look back on it now, you, you actually saw a group of players who were really together managed by somebody who was probably a players manager that knew that they're away for a long time that these players needed to bond together take the pressure off players and euro 96 was the last tournament the only tournament in my lifetime that i can remember where you actually thought we've got a good chance of winning something here i just think the camaraderie the team spirit was fantastic back then and you look now it's just so i know the football's far more commercialized these days but you know, it just seems so stiff now going
1: out and playing for England that it, it's just not a pleasure that it once was. Lampard is due to wear the armband tomorrow and what could feasibly be his final appearance in an England shirt. Um, a good way to, well, not a good way to bow, obviously, but a fitting that he should be brought in because uh, if England weren't going after this tournament, it is arguably that he wouldn't have made an appearance in this tournament at all. Do you think it's that the right bit of sentiment from, uh, from Hodgson to, to let him play against Costa Rica and to give him the armband?
2: Yeah, definitely. It looks like it probably is going to be his last cap, uh, cap for England. He's been a wonderful servant. Um, I think he's had good tournaments as well going back. You know, he's been, he's been a great, great player, and probably didn't get the, the send off that he probably deserved at Chelsea. You know, it looks like he's left there as well. So. No, I think he should have the captain's armband and, you know, hopefully it'll be a memorable game for him. You know, and what a football career he's had. Frank Lampard, absolutely superb.
1: We all seem to be agreed that this World Cup has been magnificent so far and certainly surpassed the expectations. Aside from England, Gab, has anybody really disappointed you in their performances?
0: Well, Spain are the, uh,
1: are <laughs> the, big the obvious guys. one.
0: Yeah. <laughs> We've never before... Uh, had a world champion knocked out after after just two games. Yeah, it'll
1: be weird for them because um, usually they end up somebody ends up giving them something before they go home and tournaments, Isn't it and now they're just going to get a ticket, you know, just, they'll probably think what's going on here, you know, we played a game, <laughs> yeah. where's the, where's the silverware, you know?
0: When is a new era with a new manager possibly a younger one who can uh, not, not be set up to fail, but um, somebody who doesn't, you know, face the pressures of like being the man who replaced Sir Alex. We'll see a new cast of characters to some degree, but I don't I think a lot of these guys are gonna be the same if you look at at their age, if you look at their quality, obviously, you know, there'll be no more David Villa, no more, you know, no more Xavi, possibly no more Fernando Torres or, or Ike Casillas, but you know, apart from those guys, I think by and large, you know, this is this is the group and, and no more Xavi Alonso as well, I should say. Mm. And they'll continue and, and they've got so much talent, you know, behind them. You know, guys who didn't even make it to the World Cup. You know, Spain will continue to be one of the top two or three nations in the world.
1: Gab, what else has been on your radar recently?
0: Well, it's been uh, it, it's been interesting this this World Cup. You know, there were so many concerns about so many different different things. I was there, for example, when uh, the Chilean fans uh, decided to uh, um, break their way, try to break their way into the into the Maracana. You know, we've had security breaches like that. It also happened with Argentina fans in Belo Horizonte. Uh, What's new for me is the fact that Chile, Uruguay, Mexico, uh, the U.S., those fans have turned up here in force. And it it just made for a very different vibe. Uh, You always see sort of traveling fans at World Cup, obviously. But in terms of the, the South Americans or the North Americans that we saw, for example, in Germany, or, or in South Africa at the last two World Cups, that tended to be a certain profile of, of supporters simply because of the, the vast expense and getting here and so on. But with some of these other ones, it's, it's fantastic. I, I, you know, I, I bumped into this uh, group of, um, of Argentines who uh, uh, they had uh, set out uh, from somewhere in, in wine country, I, I think near Rosario or Mendoza in, in Argentina, and uh, you know they they they'd rented a, a camper van, and uh, you know they'd basically driven six days to get here, um, and that was absolutely fantastic. And they were having a, an absolute uh, an absolute blast. Also, yeah, it does feel special being in Brazil, being in a country where you know people really do, you know, quote unquote, get football. At the risk of sounding like Tony Evans, I kind of Careful. feel that Careful. except for. Sorry?
1: Careful now.
2: Yeah. <coughs> no, careful. I mean, there's there's You, you one. get the Coast same time, kind of feeling in Qatar.
0: <laughs> well, let me put it this way. With the exception of Germany two thousand six, mm. you know, we haven't had a World Cup in a uh, a football nation, you know, in the one hundred percent football nation since nineteen ninety. Thank you for listening
1: to the game podcast from The Times. Many thanks to my guests, Gabriel Marcotti and James Scowcroft. We'll aim to have a guest direct from Brazil every Monday for the rest of the World Cup, so make sure you press that subscribe button on iTunes so you don't miss out. Read all the latest news from Brazil in The Times, online and in print. We'll be back next week. Bye-bye.
2: Hi, I'm Tim Montgomery, the presenter of Another Times podcast from the Opinion Pages called Did You Read. It's the perfect weekly snapshot of some of the best writing in the newspaper. Find out more by heading to thetimes.co.uk/commentcentral and search Did You Read to subscribe on iTunes.
0: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinns.